Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. It's not another Buffalo podcast with John. Rochester, New York, Rachacha, wants to share a little Bill's perspective. Go ahead, Dan, the floor is yours. It's time for some real talk, guys. For the next 10 to 15 years, you'll likely, you'll have to deal with this feeling. Brando. You're the most insufferable, entitled fan base in the NFL, and you don't (laughs) want to hear that. Swallow your delusional pride and suck it up. Go Bills. And Pat. Someone just dialed in, and they want to immediately retort to Dan from Buffalo. Carrie and Beverly, what do you got to say? GFY, Dan from Rochester. (laughs) That's it. It's over for New England. That's who it's over for. Go home, New England. It's not your day. It's not your week. It's not your year. I just hear the Friends song. The... New England goes back home, a bunch of cold losers. Well, I anyways, didn't how, I didn't know how much you were going to have there if you had like the whole song planned out. Dude, I've been watching so much of Whose Line Is It Anyways. I feel like my improv game is is improving a little bit. Well, welcome back to Not Another Boston Massacre podcast. I'm sick as f- and I'm here with Pat and Brando. And uh, Boston Massacre is a, is a great entrance. Great. Yeah. I'm actually so mad because I thought of that last night and I'm like, I wasn't <laughs> going to use it because they also like use the term on WGR this morning when I was listening. And so I was like, oh, yep. Wasn't, uh, you know, someone else thought of this too. And uh, I, liked the, I think actually um, Jay Spence, the King, uh, I think they did a chop up episode that came out today that was called like the New England Massacre or something like that. That being the re- I, a reference to the Revolutionary War. I also like the New England Knocked Out Cold podcast uh, because of the cold and getting knocked out hypothetically and physically and emotionally and every other way spiritually that you could possibly be dominated on a football field. But, you know, we'll get into that. Like John said, this is not another Buffalo podcast on a Buffalo Rumblings network. We saw... Uh, a lot of great content coming out this week from this uh, platform. Guys, that was a something for the ages. Something that we will tell our kids about as Pat referenced in a text message to me after the game. Uh, I just want to see where we're at emotionally because think about it. Yes, yeah, 69,188 fans in attendance, sub five degrees after losing 35 of the last 40 meetings against New England. Josh Allen comes out. Sean McDermott comes out. Micah Hyde comes out. Guns blazing. No mercy. One of the greatest, if not the greatest performances we've ever seen in the history of football happened on Saturday night in Orchard Park. Like I said, Pat was there to see it. I was there to see it. John was watching. What was your first emotion? What? what were, tell me how you felt, Pat. Uh, just, just disbelief, man. I just, um, kept sitting there, um, looking at, looking at the clock thinking, is this really happening? Oh my God, we're up by 30 points, but there's still 14 minutes left. And eventually, you know, I just had to talk myself down and say, listen, Pat, it's all right. You know, um, it it was just disbelief, dude, especially like on that first touchdown throw, I felt like uh, I had pretty good seats and like, it seemed like Josh Allen was back there for like 15 seconds. And I thought Dawson Knox fell. I couldn't even just out of the corner of my eye, it looked like he fell. And then he came down with the ball and I was like, maybe, maybe today's going to be special. So tell from the start. Special is an understatement. John, I know you've been sick. We hope you feel better, buddy, but how did you spend the day watching the game? Well, if this is any indication of how much the game meant and how what an adrenaline rush it was, like I've obviously come down with the vid and uh, started having symptoms like the day of the game. Well, it was Saturday. So the day before the game was like my first full day of symptoms. Like I first started feeling it when we were doing the podcast uh, uh, last Thursday. Yeah. And 
obviously it felt like crap ever since, you know, slowly getting over it, just trying to rest and sorry to make you guys listen to my, my voice at this point. But just for comparison's sake, I felt zero symptoms during the game. I was bouncing off the wall. <laughs> I was jumping up and down. I, before the game cure for I, COVID-19, watch a Buffalo bills demolishing of the new England Patriots. Yeah. You're not, you're not kidding. Like I, <laughs> I was losing my voice because I had so much phlegm in my throat, like that was sitting on my vocal cords. Like I couldn't, and I was, nice. I just didn't hold anything back. And uh, obviously, unfortunately, symptoms returned the morning after. But you know, for for a second there, the bills cured my COVID. <laughs> and that's that's amazing because I feel like I I don't want to say I was expecting it. I was not expecting them to score seven on seven seven out of seven drives for touchdowns, but I, I was expecting a win. I, I know we talked about that on our show, but to do it in the way that they did it, just pure and utter domination. You got Bill Belichick looking in the mirror. Like, I think I coach defense. It seems that I had a number two defense overall. And when you go back to the drawing board, I saw this today on NBC sports. They were mentioning potential coaching staff changes. And it's like Bill Belichick looking at his defensive roster. He hired two of his sons to run the defense. And they have been gashed, gutted, demolished. They've let up almost 100 points in their last three games. It I was, could see little rat boy Steven shivering in the cold, little Stevie Belichick. So but anyways, you know, what do yeah. you do? The nepotistic ways of the world right here. These are the flaws. You have a bad performance from your defense to close the season. It costs you playoff games. It costs you your dignity on live TV and... uh they were obviously like, what do you do if you're Coach Belichick? Do you call your sons into the dinner table and you say, guys, I've never been more disappointed to call you my sons than I am today. Like, what do you do if you're Bill Belichick? Real. Do you fire your kid? <laughs> Somebody, That's, I don't know. Hey man, I mean, that, Andy yeah. Reid only <laughs> fired his kid when he got drunk and almost killed someone. So, I mean, if that's any indication, but... Um, so we're not going to fire the son then. I don't know. What do you make? If you're New England, you look yourself in the mirror and you say... My guy, Mac Jones, needs to be elite at something to beat this guy that I'm about to play 10 times over the next five years. And what trait is Mac Jones going to have? He had a couple nice plays where he scrambled out of the pocket to complete passes downfield. Uh, he had a third down completion. He had a nice corner route over the left-hand side, I believe, uh, for another completion. But he's going to have to have his brain... On next level, his ears turned up to the max. Like he's going to have to have some intangibles that are Brady-esque to have a chance in this division because, cool, you can have a Ryan Tannehill. You can have Kirk Cousins. You can have Teddy Bridgewater. You can have Derek Carr. You can have any of these middling guys. He's not Josh Allen. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Justin Herbert. Uh, then you're not in the conversation to win a Super Bowl. Look at the teams. Joe Burrow. Um, so... If I'm Bill Belichick, outside of giving my children a scolding, I'm just like, I'm 67 years old. What am I going to do for the rest of my career here? And obviously, Mac did not play very well, and he really hasn't played well to, to finish off the season. And I mean, that being said, number one, I mean, Damian Harris really wasn't in top top shape at all. And then also, I just think that the next step, obviously, is that, you know, Mac has to improve. And yes, the offensive linemen, you know, in, in this game, what did they have, four sacks or three sacks? I'm not sure, but... You know, they didn't play a perfect game, but I just look and like if Nelson Aguilar is your top threat, you know, followed by Jacoby Myers, like, I mean, I, they say the great ones make wide receivers, but I, I could see it being a little bit difficult for him as well. I think that, I mean, they sort of upgraded the tight end position, but they, they got to have more firepower at the, at the wide receiver position. Like you just said, Damian Harris, Jonu Smith, two other players. So... Pro Football Focus graded Damian Harris the highest rated running back of the season. And John Smith was a $10 million a year tight end that they spent in free agency. Both players were on the field for less than 35% of the offensive snaps, which is a stark difference from the first game that they played where they won in Orchard Park. But again, that was a, a they literally needed a hurricane to beat us. Like, I don't know why there was so much disrespect in this game. Like, just the, the Bills being only favored by four points just was like oozes to me just like why do you not see this do you watch football because listen i have some stats here this is this is pretty crazy this is not going to be my spe special stats of the day that i have but um the bills 
After losing 35 of their last 40 meetings, their last five games against New England, they've put up 47 points, 33 points, 10 points, 38 points, and 24 points. It comes out to be a 30.4 points per game average. And in the last two games, there has been no punts. The defense of the New England Patriots has not stopped the offense in in like 18 drives now because it was seven and nine, right? They had two field goals. They held us at three points twice. But this... Bill Belichick's got to be like, holy sh**, what am I going to do? Because it's just absolutely shredded them to their core this year. And I love to see it. Yeah. I mean, honestly, what do you do if you're one of these teams in the AFC who doesn't have one of these young, awesome quarterbacks? Because, I mean, there's so much stacked against you to make it to a Super Bowl. I mean, what are the chances that anybody not named Allen, Mahomes, Burrow, Herbert, or Jackson isn't going to be the the representative of the AFC in the Super Bowl. I mean, there was there was a 12-year period. Actually, I think it was maybe 15 or 16 years where, you know, there was there was either Ben Roethlisberger, Peyton Manning, or Tom Brady in the AFC Championship every single year. So, it's like, I mean, I don't want to say you're hopeless teams of the AFC that don't have one of those quarterbacks, but like I don't even know yeah. where you start. At least Tennessee has Derrick Henry, who's like Hall of Famer playing in the flesh, um, like a dummy god running the ball. And that keeps him in most of their games. Tanny's been on upward swing too recently. You know, Um, I won't talk bad about him, but he's no... He's no Josh Herbert, Mahomes, Allen, or whatever. But I I just thought that was interesting. The one throw that I did think Mac was about to make, that was a huge throw. Pat, I think... Yeah, you, it was in the opposite end zone. You were in the opposite end zone, and I was above you. I was just a few rows above you at this time watching the game. And I see the throw that Mac Jones makes to... I think it's to Aguilar, right? He's going for Aguilar yeah. in, the, in the end zone. And yep. he's beat Levi Wallace by a full two steps. And dude, when I tell you... It was just a beautiful throw. The ball didn't have any wobble on it. It was a perfect spiral. It was going right in the bread basket. And I'm like, oh, it's happening. They're about to go 7-7. And all of a sudden, you just see this blue flash come across the, the field. And he just you can see him slide on his back with the ball. And that was like one of the, the one of the best, if not the best, live plays I've ever seen. I don't know, Pat, what was your view like from where you were sitting? Yeah, it was one of those deals where I definitely thought it was going to be a touchdown as well. And like you said, I mean, that's when I started to have disbelief because I was like, okay, here we go. It's going to be 7-7, just like every other effing Bills-Patriots game I've ever watched. And when that happened, I, I really felt like the momentum of the game switched. And also, speaking about defensive back play, I think that we owe an apology to Mr. Levi Wallace and Dane Jackson because a lot of people said that our season would be in the tank, would be in the tank if Mr. Tredavis White did not play. And... um I just really felt that Levi especially had a very strong game after having a really rough pass interference call against them that cost us points earlier in the game. I, I really felt that um, despite the, the fact I thought that was going to be a touchdown for sure, I, I really liked the way that you know the defensive backs came through in this game. Dude, sure. Micah Hyde, I have some stats for you on, on Micah Hyde, um, but I'm going to save it for our, our segment that we're going to do. We're going to do a um, special stat of the day weekend segment. So, But no, you're right. In... That was just one of those things that blows your mind when you just see the professional quarterback that Mac Jones is just such a laser rope of a throw. Like we might rip on him. We might call him noodle arm, but it was a nice throw. And like Hyde made a hall of fame catch. Like I pictured Troy Palomalu when he fingertips scoops the ball uh, as an iconic play for him that led them in the playoffs to a Super Bowl run. And it reminds me greatly of this Micah Hyde interception that this team could rally around and make a run with. Um, but those are just two like iconic defensive moments. But besides that, I noticed earlier, maybe Pat, if you were saw what the Patriots players are doing during warmups, but I think all the talk about it's too cold for them, but it's just right for us really held true because I was watching a lot of the Patriots players closely. They were going down to their feet a lot. They were adjusting their socks a lot. They were adjusting their pants a lot. You could see them. They weren't comfortable from the minute that they came out for warmups, they, and it was odd because you look over at the Bills sideline, they're dancing, they're having a great time. They're stretching, they're being themselves, but this Patriots sideline from the minute that they came out for warmups, they just seemed that they were acting odd, just didn't want to be there. And you could, and I think right away, like you said, that interception flipped the switch on that team. Now I've, I have a question, maybe Brando, you can help me, me with this, but are a lot of the sideline amenities 
Like, obviously, there's a lot of things that the away team won't get that the home team will get. Was there a huge difference there in what you saw? Like, did the Bills have extra heaters that New England didn't or like, didn't look like anything? Or, or I didn't see that. I don't know if Pat maybe have noticed they, that. But I mean, they all had the parkas. I mean, apparently the Buffalo Bills do have a heated bench, but I'm right, sure yeah, that's, that's kind of a universal. The heated that's benches. I mean, it looked like the Patriots too. benches just had like salamander heaters behind them or whatever. So I would say that per the NFL, both teams probably have to have yeah. the same stuff on the sideline where it's the home team to provide equal for both. I don't know about that. That's a good question. Yeah. Um, but that's would, what it looked I would like. Think so, but did you see Sal's glove that he tweeted a picture of that melted when he was standing next to the heater? I didn't see the picture. I heard yeah, him talk it, about it on GR this morning. Yeah, but, he had a glove and it, it roasted to his hand, I guess. I don't know. Oops. But, oops is right. Capaccio. Oops is what Julian Edelman said after he put a thousand, hundred thousand dollars on the Patriots Bucks Super Bowl. Stupid. Well, you know. Oh, hey, before I forget though, too, you know who had a great performance that I really wanted to acknowledge and I saw him all over the field yesterday. Um, he might be a playoff hero for this run himself as Mr. AJ Klein had himself a, a whale of a game he yesterday did. too. Really came up in some big moments. But um, no, I mean, it was, uh, did you guys see him? Did you see Spencer Brown? Dude, he threw up right in front of me during the pregame warmups. Man. Really? Can, yeah. He I did not to, see that. Dude, he was literally stretching and then just puked like 20 feet away from me. <laughs> like we made eye contact as he was coming back up. But um, <laughs> oh <my God>. yeah, <laughs> I'm sure that you of all people can relate to the I can pregame relate. puke. Yes, the pregame pukes. I, I, I've been there many Bro, times. I was literally just telling Sam the story about when we were at a meet and we're going up for our relay and the little girl was walking next to you yeah, just approximately six years old and you just yak on her arm and i just remember her face looking down at it and i'm like we had a really good relay we did I was like well pat are you, are you still gonna go like we, we we need you here buddy you go we don't have anybody else to do your backstroke so you're gonna have to get moving uh but uh, no I mean, that was funny about spencer brown though uh what did you see um how were some of those fans that were in the heated areas did they seem like they had all their amenities met or, um, I will say cool? that they did per the picture of Ryan Fitzpatrick taking his shirt off, which is a Buffalo legendary move. I love to see it. You know, he was interacting with everybody that was there. I did not get to see him. Um, but I will say where you were sitting, Pat, two sections over, I did see Lee Evans. Um, what? He was, yes, he was also there. Um, and the only reason that I knew is because I saw him texting people and his friend was texting him because they were all bundled up. And I was like, oh, Hey, at least the the legends of the game that never got to see this happen are still yeah. interested in coming back, you know. Which is so cool because it's so iconic that these people were like, "I'm coming, I'm I'm going to come to this game." All right, well, because it was just such a historic evening, Pat. I know that when you went into the game, I don't think you were expecting to see five Josh Allen touchdown throws. Nope. I know I wasn't, but um, I did dig into the numbers a little bit because this is a once in a lifetime game, like the perfect game. They say I have, I have sets of stats here. I got offensive stats. I have defensive stats and I just have um, some interesting tidbits along the way. So Josh Allen recorded the greatest playoff performance since 2006, 2007 season, uh, 94.8 rated from pro football focus, which is the highest rated game of all time. But I want you to, to try and think of the game of the quarterback that rated higher than Josh in this game. Let's see. 2007. Was that a Brady game? No, no. Well, I'll tell you what, you know who it is, Brandon. Who is it, Pat? So you're saying the highest rating in an NFL postseason game is it's Kurt Warner at 158.6. I'm well, that's a perfect rating, but this is an efficiency player player performance efficiency. Is it a pro football focus? Is it a Drew Brees? performance nope. but he's he had a couple of those where the guy that replaced him Jameis winston nope that repl- oh philip rivers does yes. okay. philip rivers yeah. 2007 divisional round against the colts they won 28 to 24 but he only had 20 dropbacks so that made him more efficient than josh allen's 32 dropbacks so i thought that was interesting they put it up on a line graph and you see these two points way up here and one was philip rivers Gotcha. Because there was a game like two years ago that didn't Drew Brees like finish with only like two incompletions or something like that. Oh, yeah. But he was like 18 of 20. Again, he had low completions, but it was it was filthy. It was filthy. Yeah. So 
the last five games against New England, four and one, no punts in the last two games, 30 points per game. Based on Josh Allen's game, right? We said the highest rated game ever. At the 13-23 mark in the second quarter, Gabe Davis dropped a curl route that went off of his hands, and that was Josh's last incompletion of the day. He had four incompletions to go along with five touchdowns with a 157.6 rating, right? We all saw that. Um, This was also awesome. He completed all five of his touchdown passes using play action, and on play action, he was nine for 12, 157 yards, five touchdowns. Out of every drive start that they had, they had 482 yards that they were potentially able to gain, and they gained all 482 of them um, in seven drives with their longest third down being third and four. Damn. Singletary had 44 of his 83 yards after contact, so he brought the punishment. 56% of his runs went for a first down or a touchdown. The O-line had six pressures the whole game, and three came from Deion Dawkins, who I believe was blocking Matthew Judon, who also only played in 40% of the game snaps. Um, But they have also allowed zero sacks in the last four games. With a temperature of seven at kickoff, it ranked as the fourth coldest game in Bill's history, but for the first time, it matched the temperature with the amount of touchdowns scored. So seven degrees, seven touchdowns. This win moved Allen to three and two all time in the postseason. Just listen to this. These stats are mind blowing to me. He's got a 64% completion percentage, 122 for 191 for 1,389 yards, 10 touchdowns, one interception, 101 rating, 300 yards rushing, one touchdown, 1,692 total yards, 340 yards per game. Uh, and if you take out that overtime loss to Houston, you know, he maybe he's four and one. Now let's look at the defense. Micah Hyde, we talked about this. Legendary Hall of Fame moment. This is a, a Mount Rushmore moment for this franchise. We had uh, Taron Johnson's pick six last year. This year we have Micah Hyde playing center field. He was 14.4 yards away when Mac Jones released the ball. This is from Next Gen Stats. Micah Hyde covered 21.4 yards in 2.9 seconds to intercept the ball. So you think that man is pretty speedy. I don't know if you watched his punt return later in the game where he made some special teamers look silly where he showed his 4, 5, 6, 40-yard dash speed, which he ran in 2013, um, to set us up with field position going all the way down to the 40-yard line where we coincidentally hit Dawson Knox for his second touchdown of the day. Five defensive linemen registered multiple pressures on Mac Jones. Jerry Hughes had a sack, which would be his seventh career playoff sack in his eighth game. Um, Gregory Russo led the D-line with two tackles for loss. And uh, Edmonds and Milano really battled through the short passing game of Mac Jones by limiting to 12 completions for 106 yards through that entire game. So they were busy. They made a lot of plays when they had to. But statistically speaking, this is one of the greatest performances we've ever seen in a football game. Um, That last touchdown that New England scored uh, with about a minute and a half to go, obviously straight garbage time. So they're playing against our backups at this point. I don't know, guys, are there any numbers that really stick out for you? But it's just seven for seven for me. And then if you look back at the other game, it's... 12 touchdowns, two field goals, and kneel downs as as the last game script against the Patriots. And that's just unbelievable to see after years of being destroyed by Bill Belichick. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just crazy the rhythm that they were in, honestly. And also, Brian Dable showed his hand a little bit, right? So we saw a little bit of the last time we saw them do things like this, it was against Kansas City in the regular season. You know, bring out all the different personnel groupings, really mix it up, really dive deep into the playbook. And I'm not talking about like trick plays or anything like that, but like what's really promising is they've hit this gear that they didn't hit in the playoffs at all last year. Like not in any three of the games did the offense look like this. And so that that's what's really exciting about it to me is that the offense is humming, the defense is humming, you know, everything's coming together at the right time. I think they're hotter than Kansas City right now. I think so so too. Like we said, I mean, what were we saying after they lost to Jacksonville? It's like, this isn't going to matter if they get hot at the right time. And here we are in January and they're getting hot at the right time. So, 
Yeah, I just wanted to throw in a note about that Jerry Hughes sack too as well. Now I would yeah. like you guys to fact check this, but I'm pretty sure that moves him into second all time. Yes, it does. Sacks we talked about Bruce this Smith. earlier. We talked okay. about this. Remember, Pat? We this was great. You made this as one of your salute to the droughts, right? Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. So he, he needed he needed a half a sack to tie Detali, and so now he's number two. I mean, Bruce Smith has like 15, 16 postseason sacks. We'll probably never get there, but I mean, to be number two is still pretty cool. Yeah, it is cool. But that was the first thing I thought of when I saw that he got the sack. Pat was what your stat was with him. Good stuff, Jerry Bear. <laughs> All right, sweet. Well, uh, let's get a break in here really quick. Well, we got a second, and then we'll be right back with a Sabres update. Um, some talk about our favorite Bills games of all time and where this ranks with, with some of those. And of course, Pat's salute to the standout of the drought slash salute to the standout of the streak now because yes, yes. we're celebrating. Yes. So uh, stick around. We'll be right back. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for the Weekly Sabres Update. Hey, Brando, did you see how the Sabres game finished up today? I, I thought that they were going to win. They were playing Detroit. They were up like 2-0 to zero or something like that. How much did they win by? They, uh, they lost in overtime. This has been your Weekly Sabres Update. Listen... They were playing the wings. Tickets were literally $5 because nobody could go in the snow. It was a one o'clock game. I really wanted to go. If I had like boots in my apartment, which is dumb. I live in Buffalo. My boots are in my classroom right now um, because I forgot them there. But I wanted to go to watch the, the Sabres and the wings. You know, I always go see the Red Wings play my alma mater, Detroit, Michigan. Uh, but it's funny because the Bills follow up one of the greatest, proudest moments of their franchise with another losing team in the city when the Sabres lose in overtime. So enough about them. They're not playing Kansas City for the chance to go to a championship game next week. So uh, the Bills are. For me, I know I have a Sabres hoodie on right now, but that's about... Yeah, John's got the mug. He's got the tea mug for his throat. It's a good call. Good call. Um, Just banged it on the mic. Oops. <laughs> uh, we have a big game next week. Uh, the divisional round, a chance to go to the AFC championship for the second year in a row. Some would call this the potential AFC championship uh, in the divisional round, but we're going to look back at some of these other big games in the history of our lives here. I was talking to my dad. He and I keep talking about our favorite games that we've ever watched. He told me to go back, which I've referenced on the show before and watch the no punt Jim Kelly game versus Steve Young which was a very good game. If you haven't, it's on YouTube. Check it out. That was one of his favorites. So I asked him, I was like, what are your favorites? Um, and he said that he was at the Raiders playoff game, the 51 to three. Uh, he said he was really cold. The beer froze. And that was like one of the first times, I guess he was at the trough and he dropped his glove in the trough. <laughs> oh no. So he was kind of stuck with, you know, a glove, gloveless hand in one of the coldest games ever. Um, and then another one he said, which has currently been bumped down twice now since he's told me, but it, he just fell in love with the Raiders Chargers game last week. He said, we'll never see anything like it again. They were playing for a tie with a minute to go. Uh, he said the plays by Justin Herbert and Derek Carr. And he said it was just such a great game. He loved every minute of it. He said he was so amped up that he was up to like 2 a.m. just thinking about the game. Oh, you're so funny, Dad. Um and then I don't know if you guys know about this, but it was an opening game. I think it might have been the 88 or 89 season. Jim Kelly was nude in town still, but it was against Miami and Dan Marino. They were going back and forth. It was 24 to 20. Uh, there was an interception to give the Bills a ball, the ball at the 49 yard line. Jim Kelly drives him down the field um, with two seconds left on the ball. 
The Dolphins take a penalty for not being set at the line, and it moves the ball to the three-yard line, two seconds left. They run a quarterback draw, and Jim Kelly was too slow to get it outside, so he took it to the inside, and he like dove through two defenders to get the winning touchdown to win the game. Um, my dad said that he was changing the locks. Not that this matters, but he was changing the locks on our house in 1989 because they had just moved in in Batavia, and he was watching that game, and he was like, I need to take back on and watch it. Uh, and then he said the comeback game against the Oilers and then the most recent game, 47 to 17. So even for a man turning 60 this year, he touches all the generations. So I don't know if you guys, Pat, do you want to lead off with your top five Bills games of all time? And does this rank, yeah. does this New England game rank on it at all? Yes, yes, yes. So, I mean, that's an interesting take. Um, I, I just did strictly um, Bills games that um, happened throughout my existence really. Yeah. And um, I tried to stay away from a lot of like the uh, initial feel good games, like say that, that what was it? It would have been week one of 2007 when Trent Edwards just crapped on the Seattle Seahawks and we thought yeah. we were going to the Super Bowl after one week. I tried to, I tried to make a little bit more rational of the list. Um, I feel like we in, might, we might all have common games here, but yeah. So checking okay. in here at number one, will probably always be my favorite Bills game of all time, just due to the memories, just new to the, the newness of it all, just new to uh, loving it with friends, crying, calling friends. Um, it, it's got to be Bills Finns. Uh, December 31st, 2017 is probably my favorite yep. Buffalo Bills game of all time. And just being so happy that just we, we didn't even think about it we just put our coats on and just ran to the subway to go downtown to the ball drop and everyone was just frostbitten and happy and it, it was it was very beautiful um i mean i'd have to say number two to that would be um the bills pats game that we just saw and obviously i think being there puts it pretty high on the list i would say tied for for third are both um the bills broncos game that we went to um in december 2019 where we beat the of them at home yep. and locked up a playoff spot yep. um, for Josh's first playoff experience. Um, and then it would have been uh, Josh's second time at the dance. Um, we beat the Broncos in December of 2020 to win the yep. division. Um, so both those games, big time blowouts, great wins. And then number four, I mean, and this is just because John and I love this guy and like it was just an iconic moment, but I remember... Um, geez. Okay. So October 5th, 2014, EJ Manuel, after a, um, although it was a two and one start, he had been playing very poorly and, um, the immortal Kyle Orton, um, was started in that game. And after, um, some head coaching duties were shifted around somehow, Jim Schwartz ended up at the helm of the team and somehow by the grace of God, without EJ Manuel and our, um, coach to start the season, we ended up winning the game. Dan Carpenter kicked, I want to say, a 57-yarder in the Dome in Detroit to win the this game. against the Lions. We, we, watched the Lions this, yeah. we watched this together, right? Yeah, we watched it together, yeah. definitely. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then number five, got to be, and this could even be, this could be higher up the list, honestly. I, and, you know, I tried to, I didn't, I didn't put Bill's Chiefs or Bill's Vikings with the jumps because those are too iconic. You know what I mean? I don't want to, no softballs out here. But um, <laughs> number number five has got to be Jags Bills, November 25th, 2018, because that's the game where Josh Allen finally got to play Jalen Ramsey's uh, trash talking mouth. Um, you know, and I, I can't, I, he's a good football player, but a terrible human. I'm surprised he's never been <laughs> jumped. But um, anyways, um, so I don't know if you all remember when Jalen Ramsey got um, on GQ magazine and he thought because um, Blake Bortles had one good year that he was going to be the next Deion Sanders and he started just trash talking all the quarterbacks in the NFL, including Tom Brady. And um, when asked about Josh, he just said he's trash. Like he's just trash. There's, he will not be good. And um, so, you know, that was the first time they met each other. Josh Allen to this day still has not thrown a touchdown pass or a completion for that matter, longer than 75 yards. So he has his career long pass on that day, 75 yards. We beat him 21, 24. And there's the best fight of probably the 21st century. Like probably one of my <laughs> yes. favorite NFL fights ever. Leonard Fournette getting his helmet ripped off and punched in the face by Jerry Hughes and, and, and Shaq Lawson was like, just, just great time. So those yes. are, those are my five. But I but. love that you made those choices. We have some similarities on them, but we were, we were together for a bunch of them. And, you know, I define a lot of my bills fandom with John and Pat and Nate and my, my homies that I watched the game with. So yeah, um, absolutely, man. All right, I'll go next, John. You can close this out. All right. So honorable mention, obviously, we talk about it all the time. I could put it higher, but 
2011 game against New England, Fred Jackson, obviously. He's my one of my favorite players. Fitzy, great player. We love him here. I still have my Fred Jackson jersey, but they win that game after being down 21 nothing. They pick off Brady a bunch, and they, they win that game, and that was great. So that was an honorable mention. I could put that higher, but I have some other fun games that I was at that I thought were better. Number five is a loss. So I'm going to put this on here. <sighs> Josh Allen's first trip to the dance, the Houston game. Oh, dude, what a game. What a game, man. I've never been on an emotional ride like that. Cody um, Ford, USOB. Cody, but, Cody uh, Ford, uh, the <laughs> lateral, the comeback from behind. Um, Josh's game winning, game tying drive to get the field Didn't goal. Didn't he catch a touchdown in that game, too? I, I believe think John they Brown or Cole Philly, Beasley Philly, threw right? him. Yeah. Yep. Um, he caught one. That day, the Sabres were having their 90s throwback day at the arena. Uh, I, I went to that game. I had some of the best chicken wing dip I ever had in my life on that day. That was uh, um, an interesting time in my life. And that was a great day with some good people. Um, so that was number five. Oh, this one could have been higher. I almost debated putting this one higher, but it is also from the season that you referenced. November 30th, 2014. It's week 13 of the NFL season. The Bills beat the Cleveland Browns 26 to 10. This was my first ever Bills game. Me and Nizzy made the trip down from Oakfield in my Dodge Stratus right after November. Uh, we parked in a muddy, muddy backyard. My car got stuck. Everybody helped me push it out. Um, this was the game that Johnny Manziel got in and played for the very first time. Kyle Orton led the way with 180 passing yards. Jerry Hughes scored on an 18 yard fumble recovery. And uh, it, it was a very important win for the bills that year. I think it pushed him to seven and five. That would be 13 weeks. Yep. So that was a great game. First ever bills game. Still wear my bills hat from that game all the time. Um, good memories. Good times. Third best one, Buffalo Bills versus Tampa Bay Bucks, uh, October 22nd, 2017. Uh, I picked this game. I was at this game, me, Nate, and Holly, and my guests were there. And it was 79 degrees and sunny at kickoff in the end of October. Rookie was it a Jameis game? Was it a Jameis game yep, or was it yep. a Josh Freeman game? Jameis, uh, rookie cornerback Trey White forced and recovered a fumble to set up a Hauschka field goal on a perfect day. Tyrod threw for like 280 yards. A new signing, Deontay Thompson, caught a 44-yard streak down the side of the field. Um, I got sunburned in the end of October. It was great. Uh, me and they had a good time there. And then going into the number two, you mentioned it. Buffalo clinches the playoff spot 2017 New Year's Eve. Kyle Williams scores a touchdown 22-16. It was four degrees. It was negative four degrees at midnight when we went downtown. Um, I looked up the weather history for that game pack because we went and it was so freaking cold. So uh, cool. And we stayed there for 30 seconds and then we left. But <laughs> And uh, that was the first NFL playoff game I went following that, which was like the worst game of all time in Jacksonville. So, And then my number one game is this game, Buffalo versus New England, wild card. Seven for seven on Tutty's greatest offensive performance of all time. I got to see it with friends and with family. And uh, it was a cold day but it really didn't impact much. And um, I had a great time and it was awesome to be there when the, the whole crowd was singing, na, 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 hey, 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 goodbye. And everybody's singing and uh, dancing and shirts were off. Mine was not off. I do not need to, you know. Uh, was that ready? So, yeah. Um, but great time. So that's my number one. Hopefully we might have a new number one next week when the Bills beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead. But Pat, I appreciate your top five. Those are my top five. And Johnny, what do you got for us? I had a hard time with number five. Um, so I'm just, I'm just going to read off some honorable mentions. And I also tried to, <laughs> I tried to completely remove my recency bias for this list. Yeah. But as we all know, if you could just remove your bias, it wouldn't be a bias. So, but anyway, I had um, one of my first alternate for number five. Actually, I just had, I had like three honorable mentions. Um, this year's win versus Kansas City, honestly, was one of my favorite. That, game. that was yeah. enough for the top 10. Um, Thanksgiving over the Cowboys, also honorable mention uh, a couple years ago. That was 2019, I think. And then, believe it or not, um, when we beat the 49ers last year in 2020, oh, on Monday night, that was, I had so much fun that game. That was a good I, game. I was just like, that was another one of those games where Josh just couldn't be stopped. You know, they're wearing at that point, the white face masks were like a rare occurrence, too. So they're wearing yeah. the stormtrooper uniforms, the white on whites with the with the face masks. And 
So my official number five was 2014 versus Green Bay. That was that was the game where we kind of shut Aaron Rodgers down. After, Another good game. Right after doing the same thing to Peyton Manning, but we lost that game to Denver. Anyway, Pat, I think you were at my house for that Green Bay game. I think we were. Yes. Maybe Brandon, you no, might have I been was there at, too. It was so cold. I, I was actually. Remember. I remember. I believe I was working a basketball tournament at GCC with my work study crew for that game and the Peyton Manning game because we snuck a TV into the equipment room and literally all of us were watching it because it was very important to the Bills playoffs. Yeah. And uh, not surprisingly, all of my top four are against New England, (laughs) which I think is funny. Like that'll tell you how much it means to beat New England. Um, Number four is 31 to zero. I remember that that's probably the earliest game that I can remember vividly. The Sports Illustrated cover really defines it for us, for a whole generation, I think. Um, Number three is 2011 versus New England. The one we won at home with Fitzy and Fred Jackson. And number two is last year's win in New England. Still ranks up there. That was a great win. That was a beat down. And, you know, it it was new at that point, being like superior to the Patriots because every other win against the Patriots had either been like a fluke or... You know, it was just a rare occurrence. And then obviously number one was last night and the Boston Massacre. And I just think that obviously we're going to have two or three wins here in the next few weeks that are going to rank above that. But um, let's enjoy that one at number one while it lasts because I mean, it was pretty special. No uh, Justin special. Zimmer? No Justin Zimmer in your top five? No, I didn't like that game. I was too nervous that entire game. That true, felt like the... Facts. I mean, obviously it was great to it was great to beat him, but you know. No, it, it did feel like every other loss until that point. It did, so. it did. Right. You know, I think it's interesting too for us that we we leave out the two playoff wins from last year, which is funny because well, it's gonna like, put the I I mean, obviously we're elated after they win and I think I'd rank the Baltimore win above because obviously you have the iconic like pick six. Uh, by Taron Johnson, but it almost made it in mind being at the game. Um, that's something that like is iconic that I will have forever as a memory. Uh, the dude that hugged me, like I said, he's this massive man, 50 year season ticket holder. I caught like 85% of that play due to this man. Remember I'm a random employee for him. He just, he's hugging me, jumping up and down while, Johnson's trying to run this pick back. And that was like so fun. Uh, that whole game, the being a part of dude, I was screaming when Lamar Jackson was backed up in our end zone. And then Jerry Hughes knocks him out after they take a delay of game. Trent Murphy. Trent Murphy knocks him out after I'm the show. Yeah, sorry. I don't want to disrespect <laughs> no, that. No, you're good. no. <laughs> Trent Murphy knocks out Lamar Jackson after the 6,000 fans in the stadium, make him get a delay of game. And, and I would probably put it on my, alternate list if you really put a gun to my head but the, the Colts game I was nervous for the whole time Philip Rivers yeah. is is no joke um he had a chance to come back at the end and that and, whole Zach Pascal where he fumbled and they kept saying that he didn't yeah. that was a that was a yeah hair puller outer another one of the most impressive throws that I've seen in person though was a rope to Steph Diggs on a streak in that oh, game yeah, right yeah. after like the like second first half, quarter or second yeah. right yeah something I don't remember what it was but earlier in the game yeah, yeah. it was just a zoop Well, that's good. I mean, John, your list is what's the number one? Would you say this newest one? Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. I don't. I don't know how. No one's gonna argue with that, especially for anyone our age. You know, right? It's like you got you got everything that you you got in these other games. You had a you had a dominant offensive performance, the most dominant. Like Josh was on fire. It was fun to watch. You've got the New England history, the beatdown. You've got the fact that it's a playoff game. Which is, you know, puts it above a lot of these other ones. And then just, yeah, like the fact that it was a party the entire time, stress free, just, it was just a celebration, honestly, like the entire time. And you know what? Also, my dad said this too. It's just nice that this generation gets a Raiders 51 to 3 game. Uh, one of the patrons that I was wheeling out of the game said the same thing that he was at that game uh, and he hasn't felt the way that he felt until that day. But he did say, because at that time, the AFC Championship game and the Super Bowl were one week apart, that it was a really big letdown. Um, 
you know, they carried this high of euphoria and right. The, the story on those 90 bills is they partied hard before the Super Bowl, right? They, they weren't prepared. Yep. They were, they were sluggish, whatever, whatever. I don't know. I wasn't alive for that, but, um, based on what that guy said that I was talking to. So that was like, yeah, it was just such a party after that Raiders game. And this is what it reminds him of. So hopefully we can carry that into Kansas city and it's not going to be a, be a letdown. I think the fact that they lost to Kansas city last year in the championship and what a letdown that was means that they'll be prepared going into this one. And well, how do you feel without Trey white? Cause we had him the first time. Oh, yeah, it doesn't, sure, doesn't matter, but, dude. doesn't matter. We had no Matt Milano in that game and, and still spanked them, bro. That's a good you know. point. We we're so we're we're down Trey and up up Matt Milano and Matt Milano. Damn, can be, I thought Milano played that game. No, no, the AJ Klein. Interesting. Game. All right, that's a good trade. I I mean, I would rather have. Dude, that's tough because you got Milano on Kelsey, which is a good matchup. But you're losing Hill. But it's not like Trey White plays one on one on Tyreek Hill all game because they play zone, right? So I don't know. What do you feel like, John? You think uh, you nervous? Oh, of course. I, I'm super nervous because the thought about a letdown like this two years in a row to the same team is, you know, after such a high, I mean, that's, that's scary. But again, like at the same time, I'm, I'm super confident. They, this team knows that they, they beat, they beat the chiefs earlier this year. They can do it. They didn't get the chiefs at their best at, earlier in the year. So now they probably will get the chiefs at their best. So I guess it'll be, Again, I think it's going to come down to the Bills' offense. Are, are, are they going to put up points at the rate they did against the Patriots? Because the Chiefs' defense is not as good as the Patriots' defense is. No, so, and they let up 25 points on 90-year-old Ben Roethlisberger yesterday. I don't know. I was watching that game, and I just Ben looked like he was having fun. And you're watching it with like a minute to go and he's just out there spreading the offense. Go, go, go. And he's throwing it five yards. I'm like, I was like, are you serious, dude? You're looking like you're putting on the show. I would lose my freaking mind if I was a receiver on his offense. And I'm like, and Ben's like, yo, 10 yard post, 10 yard post. Yo, run a streak, run a streak. And then you got your running back checking and releasing in the flats. And he just dumps it to him every time. Like if I'm Deontay Johnson or Chris Chase Cape, Claypool like no wonder why they dropped the ball all the time they're running all over the place and they it's like they just have to turn and block they're not going to catch a ball Ben's not going to throw a deep so uh Brandon, that was interesting you, to watch have you seen have you ever seen one of those next gen stats like the like the passing chart where it it notes yes. where the line of scrimmage is and it puts yes. all the dots all over the, the ones place. for the, I have the one for the bills on the play action passes right well here. this is this is the thing yeah yeah, yeah. so like Josh's looks like uh, like a, a bucket of popcorn that's being popped like in the microwave or something like that. Like it's all over the place. Like Ben Roethlisberger's literally looks like a bowl of Apple Jacks or something like that. It's like yeah. everything is like at the line <laughs> of scrimmage or behind. It's red and, and yellow. All, red like, and yellow. Or grouped green up. and it's, yellow. It's hilarious. Like most of his completions are like five yards behind the line of scrimmage. It's insane. Screen passes, little out routes. I mean, even his out routes don't have the gas on them that they need to get there. So I was hoping that would have been cool to see them pull off an upset when it's seven, nothing. I mean, I don't know about you. We could talk about this in our show on Friday with our betting, but I had the chiefs winning heavily in all of my parlays that were about to hit big and they go down seven, nothing. I'm like, like, is this really the story of the game right now? Like I would have been way happier. You know, it's a double edged sword cause I would have lost money and that would have been really disappointing. Um, but seeing them cover gives the bills another home game next week against the the Bengals and uh, but that wasn't going to happen. So we know that wasn't going to happen. But. Yeah. So now we're in the situation. If we want to look, if we want to look ahead of things, which we shouldn't look too far ahead. We should obviously we I'll, I'll, keep, I'll keep this short, but we're in the situation that we thought we were going to be um, where it's like, we're looking at assuming we win this game against Kansas city. You're looking at a home championship game against the Bengals or a championship game in Tennessee against the Titans, which I think are both good matchups. Like I like give me either one of those, but I ran a poll today on our, on our Twitter page and people seem to be overwhelmingly in favor of a home championship game against yeah. the Bengals. Yeah. Which I can understand why. I mean, out of those two teams, I don't know if they're the better matchup. Like my gut says that I'd rather play the Titans, but give me the home game, you know, nine times out of 10 out of the two of those. So, Anyway, I'm sure we can talk about that more after we beat the Chiefs. Um, but 
Yeah. Listen, it's interesting to see how it plays out. I know it's like a week away. I've never been more nervous for a game already. I impulsively bought tickets to go to this game. I will be there. I'm hoping that that helps with my nerves. It's only going to make it worse, I think. But it seemed like a good opportunity to go watch two goats play a game. I could tell my kids about uh, my stomach really likes barbecue. Sometimes it doesn't agree with it, but I like Kansas city barbecue. You don't, you know, we lived, maybe I'm just distorted because I lived so long without having this opportunity in my life. But I talked to so many fans that are this woman's 82 years old. She said she went to every playoff game home and away in the nineties run. And it's just like, she has so many great stories to tell and she's just such a great lady and she's just inspirational. And I'm like, I, I want to be there. I want to go so I can make money when I'm dead or whatever, you know, I can sleep when I'm dead. I got a whole lifetime to make money. So it's exciting. Buffalo is going to be on edge all week. I know in my classroom, we do a lot of bills, arts and crafts. We do numbers with the jerseys for the players, you know, five-year-olds learning numbers. It's relevant in our curriculum. So uh, we did a Bills parade. It's just great. This town is going to be ecstatic this week. This is the biggest matchup in the NFL. We we built our team to build this to beat this Chiefs team, and the road and the rubber are colliding, and uh, something's going to happen. So, two Titans coming together. The Bills are underdogs. Give me the give me the Bills, baby. Right, Bills by a billion. Yeah. So, hopefully, when we look back on this game. Jeremy White said this thing really cool in the pregame before the New England. He's like, it's just so, so I can't even, you know, it's like so surreal to know at three o'clock on Saturday that we're about to have a moment that we're going to talk about for a long time. It hasn't happened yet. Uh, It could be good. It could be bad. We could be talking about one thing, but whatever it is, we're going to be talking about it on Monday. And we're here talking about the greatest performance of all time. We saw it. We witnessed it. And if the Bills play like that ever again, they're never going to lose, right? Seven touchdowns on seven drives is just unbeatable. So even if we get half that production, we're looking at something historic. And I just, it's must watch television in the NFL. We have a superstar named Josh. Maybe maybe we'll get like a, a streak. We'll get a performance that Pat will reference next year in his salute to the streak when we're streaking through Salute. the AFC East again. Absolutely. But Pat, yeah. you got anything? Who you got? You got it ready for us this week? Salute to the drama. I do, Salute I do, to the I street. Do. It's um, it's a hero of both time periods. So interesting. Touch on both. It's a hero of both time periods. Really has a good ring to it. Please remove your hats, lift your drink, and shut your trap as we salute this week's hero of both time periods. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Um, this is Pat Cap speaking to you from Cloud Nine. Um, today I'm here to honor um, one of the heroes of those great drought teams as well as those um, great streak starting teams. Um, I just want to give a shout out today. Um, today's hero of the drought was born on May 31st, 1983. Um, that puts him at exactly 38 years old, going up on 39. Um, this individual is from Berkeley, California. Um, he graduated high school in 2001 from St. Mary's Collegiate High School in Berkeley, California. Alma mater of the John and Tom Fogarty brothers from good old Creedence Clearwater Revival. Um, after going to school at St. Mary's Collegiate, he was a four-year starty, starter I'm sorry, at University of California, Berkeley. Um, so he played at Berkeley from 2001 until 2005. He was a two-year captain. Um, in 2004 and 2005, he played with future NFL Hall of Famer Aaron Rodgers. Upon graduating in... 2000 well I, I guess he hadn't even graduated yet but in 2005 um he went to the nfl draft combine had underwhelming stats this dude actually terribly enough ran a 5.17 um in the 40-yard draft wow in the 40-yard dash so anyways safe say was not drafted um after bouncing around a little bit he did find a home in washington um coach joe gibbs really took a chance on him and he saw his first nfl action for the redskins playing seven years there ultimately becoming a pro bowler inside linebacker in 2012 um, after bouncing around to a couple other spots, including Oakland and, of course, those Arizona Cardinals, this player ended up in Buffalo, where in 2016, he was also an NFL Pro Bowler, recording a career-high 12 and a half sacks with 10 tackles for loss. This individual, throughout his career, um, has worn 
a number in the 90s, as well as number 76 while playing at the University of California. This individual has played kick return, kick off, punt block, punt receiving. Um, he has taken snaps at offensive line, tight end, defensive line, and linebacker. If I tell you any more about this player, you will definitely guess who he is. So um, without further ado, I'm wondering if you boys might have an idea. Brandon, do you have a guess? Do you have a guess? I do, but I don't want to be embarrassed if it's I don't not either. right. Oh, man. Right. On the count of three, we'll say it. All right. Okay. Ready? One, two, three. Lorenzo, Lorenzo Alexander. Alexander. Yeah. I didn't want to. I didn't want to be like he wore seventy six and then ninety seven. And then, then I was like, oh, seven or whatever it was. Listen, man. Yeah. I'll take this from here. I will never go to bat for Lorenzo Alexander. I will never not go to bat for Lorenzo Alexander. Man's the emergency contact for Kyle Williams kids. Dude, at the end I'm of the telling day, right? you, I, <laughs> he was the Bills player that I interacted with the most all the time. We had all of his kids. Uh, I worked in the school that, you know, they went to, I coached them. I had him at camp and he was just the nicest guy. Every single time I ever talk to him. It's always, Hey, how's he doing? How's this doing? How's this fun? Good, good. How are you doing? Right. He gave a crap about you. He gave a crap about the city. I remember when I first got to Damon, it would have been his first year there. He came to Damon to talk about, uh, suicide awareness and mental health. And I thought that was really cool coming to the small division to school to, uh, you know, spread the knowledge of this important topic. And it's important to me. So, this is always my favorite photo. Me and Lorenzo. I'll show you two dudes. I don't know oh, you yeah. That. Brandon, oh, you look jacked in that photo. Oh, I'm bro. definitely skinny as hell, but maybe at that time. Uh, the, those YMCA trainer yeah. shirts are cut to fit. Oh, yeah. So. You and Lorenzo chilling in the Benzo, as uh, they say, the NWA boys say. So we won't, for the record, we never chilled in the Benzo. Um, but, you know, I've got everything nice to say about that man, about the way that he interacted in the school and the building at the Y at camp, just in the street, in the community. Um, I know he's out in Phoenix, Arizona with his family now doing his thing in the community there. I know he's coaching football. You, you hear he comes on the radio from time to time. He made an awesome video clip for the bills to, uh, before their game against new England. Wait, um, he did. Yeah. He made like a minute and a half video. I'll have to send really? that to you guys. Yeah. I don't know if you saw it or not. Um, but no, he, he's the one Jersey that I don't have that I would get still. Um, I would love to have just everything that he stands for, you know, carrying it with you day to day. And when he got on the football field, man, that dude at what, 33, 34, 35, putting up 10 sacks a year and coming hard off the edge, coming strong inside. He was great. I love watching him just the way that he transformed his life from lineman to linebacker, changed his body, changed his mindset and played into his. Uh, late thirties like that and made time to be an awesome dad and uh, everything else that he did. I don't know how he did it, but you know, I don't have to crush on Lorenzo Alexander for five minutes in our show, but it was a good pick. Pat. Good pick. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate it, man. Well, I think that's all we got for this one. Um, you guys know where to find us on Twitter at not buff podcast. Oh, you know what? I didn't even get to the guy who called into Boston radio. Did you guys see the tweet? Oh, he called in again. No, no, that just the original one. The the guy from Rochester who called into Boston Radio. Hey, I don't know. There, there was maybe we'll do this for the next show, but we'll find the most egregious takes about the Bills from New England because I know of at least four or five off the top of my head that were just like made me want to vomit on myself. Yeah, well, get ready for Nick Wright takes this week. So, hey, dude, I'll tell you what, Nick Wright picked us to win this game. He said that Nick Wright, for as much as he is a homer, loser, Morehouse, school of journalism, never touched a football in his entire life, catch up guzzler. Um, you know, at least he's 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 laid off a little bit on the bills and he's starting to understand Josh's greatness. So Nick Ryan, he gets paid to upset people. So I mean, do what you gotta do, buddy. You gotta you gotta pay the bills, but um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he had some heinous takes and well, you know he was what? the first one to kiss Mac Jones's feet and now he's throwing him right under the bus. He so can I'm, pay I'm, the bills, but the bills are going to pay him a visit and they're going to punch his broken nose up his nose even more. Yeah, they, they will. Yeah. yeah, And he can write about it. And you know what? I hope I see his little skinny <laughs> ass out there in Kansas City. Bro, would you, would you, would you like tell him? I'll square up with him. I'll tell him he sucks now if he Dude, ever... Dude, you should. If you see him, be like, hey, Nick, I think you're really, I think you're a great, great journalist, but my friend Pat Caprio says to f*** 
off. Like, but <laughs> dude, if I can get it, if I ever, you know, gotta be, I'll be like, listen, would you give us a five second clip for our podcast? Yeah, dude. What if it, <laughs> dude, literally that would be hilarious. If you got him to say like, not another Buffalo podcast, just the worst podcast. Dude, that would be so funny. <laughs> that, would that would be, be so funny. funny. I hope you see some. You're probably going to see some crazy people there at that game. Honestly, we'll see. I don't know anything about Kansas City. I've never been to the Midwest. Uh, this is the farthest west I will have ever ventured. So uh, we'll see what happens. I'm just excited. We'll have our bills prayed on Friday after school. I'll hit the airport, head out um, Friday night, and come back on Sunday or Monday. We'll TBD. Very nice. Well, I'll see you, gentlemen, on Friday for Brenda's bets and uh, our game picks for the weekend. So. Woo woo. All right, take it easy. Go Bills. Go All right, boys. Bills. Take care, hey. gentlemen.